Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2244. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm back in Scottsdale, Arizona. Well, you know why I'm Scottsdale a lot this month of January is because of the auctions and a concourse. I'm with a very special guest by the name of Chuck Stanford. Chuck, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? <laughs> Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it, Mark. <laughs> all right. Before I give you a proper introduction, I'd like to ask all my guests to share one little thing that maybe people don't know about you. Oh, boy. Um, I, would, I would say that most people don't know that uh, in my business life, I've dealt with military weapons, and I've actually been a legal arms dealer. Oh, my gosh. Uh, for the last 20 years or so, I've been in the aviation business working with active and retired military aircraft. It's been great fun. Wow, very interesting. Well, you must have encountered a lot of unique things and seen seen a lot of the world, I'm guessing? Uh, yeah, I would, I would say along the way I've spent, um, uh, spent time in the Middle East, I've spent time in Australia, spent time in uh, Brazil, uh, all for months and months at a time with... Uh, uh, super unique projects going on. So it's been fun. Wow, fascinating. Well, today we're going to talk about cars. So allow me to give you a proper introduction. Chuck Stanford is the co-founder and selection committee chair of the Arizona Concord, which takes place on Sunday, January 22nd. This event starts off the New Year Concord circuit and Arizona's auction week. This Concord recently announced a rebirth in Scottsdale for January 2023. He's a lifelong aficionado of classic car engineering and design. Chuck has been an active leader in the Mercedes-Benz Club of America, including being elected three times to their national board and serving as National Concord Chair. Today, he is a trip lighter for the club's member tours in Stuttgart. Now, that sounds like fun. Along with his wife, Ava, they are consistent podium rally enthusiasts and have a pristine 1970 280 SL Pagoda. You know those cars. Ah, oh, they're lovely. And they've shown at Concours in San Marino, Monterey, and the La Jolla Concours, my hometown. Very cool. In addition to judging at no fewer than six national NBCA Concours events, Chuck has also judged at the Hilton Head Concours de Elegance and the Cabo Beach Concours de Elegance. Now, both of those, I've had their directors on the show, so you're in a good family here, Chuck. Chuck's business experience, as he said, was in the aviation, financial, and accounting world, where he spent 20 years as CEO and COO, leading aviation and manufacturing businesses. And you you listeners will remember that his co-founder and partner in this venture, uh, the Concord I'm talking about, is Ed Winkler. And uh, if you missed my talk with Ed, he was on the show last month, so go back and give that a listen. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsor, so give them a little love, and we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner 
that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. So, Chuck, we are back. So, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about... Some of the many things, and I mentioned some of them in the intro of what you're involved with in the car community now, and then we're going to dive deeper into the Arizona Concord because your buddy, Ed, we talked a lot about it, but I want your perspective on things. Let's take a little walk through your car passion journey, and uh, we'll talk about this Pagoda a little later in the show as well. I love those cars. Well, good. Mark, I would say that uh, Arizona has always needed a Concord. As long as I've lived here, which is about 35 years, we've been looking for a Concours. And, and Ed and I and, and another partner uh, set out and founded the Arizona Concours in 2013. We uh, produced four very successful shows at uh, the famous Arizona Biltmore Hotel in Phoenix. That, that was notable as a Concours place because the ambiance of the hotel, which is a Frank Lloyd Wright design, provided a truly glorious venue uh, for a concours, uh, putting classic cars in amongst classic architecture is just a fantastic way to uh, complement both. We were able to really attract some uh, great cars and some great people because they really enjoyed the venue and enjoyed what we put together. We did really well for uh, about four years, and then in 2018, the hotel changed ownership, and uh, the new owners decided that swimming pools and restaurants were more to their liking than manicured gardens and a beautiful fountain in in the uh, in their um, yard. And so our concourse field went away, and then of course COVID hit in 2019, and we were we had a really extended period of time to find a new site because. We were we we had a tough act to follow, as they say. Oh yeah. The Arizona Biltmore had been such a fabulous place, and it took us a while until we identified a new site in Scottsdale and a new partner with Scottsdale Arts. Scottsdale Arts is the organization responsible for cultural and art events in Scottsdale. They're part of the city but they're a separate organization, separate nonprofit. And together we've discovered a really amazing combination of interests and talents that are really playing to the advantage of the Concours. Their interest 
in the artwork of the cars is really a strong advantage for us. I always thought of, of the car of I've always thought of cars as art. We have a partner who thrives on this connection. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I attended those early Concord events that you guys had. I love that setting. My father was an architect, so Frank Lloyd Wright was a really kind of a part of me growing up learning about him. And of course, Frank Lloyd Wright, he loved cars. He had a passion for cars, too, and he had some unique cars, which is pretty neat. But yeah, having to leave, um, you know, what's interesting about this is things do change and you've got to make changes and, and move on. And I think the fact that COVID hit kind of about the same time, maybe that was some kind of a message from the stars that you now it's time for a change here. Uh, probably wasn't easy at the time. I know Ed talked about the difficulties of trying to find a place, but you guys were persistent. Well, we had we we really pursued lots of things, and and the problem is in Arizona there aren't a lot of sites that have large expanses of grass that aren't golf courses. And uh, we had made up our mind we did not want a golf course. Every concours and most concours in the world are on golf courses, and and yet the ones that are truly memorable are Villa d'Este and Earl's Court and uh, the grass at. Um, Oh, it's not Versailles, but in France, there's uh, uh, Chantilly. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. where, they, where they have a beautiful backdrop of architecture or gardens to, uh, to go with. And we, when we came across the uh, Scottsdale Civic Center, we knew that would be a really amazing site for the Concours. And unfortunately, the venue has been going under significant renovation, or, or fortunately, I guess. Yeah, for it's the future. It's been very exciting. Yeah. It's been oh it is it's very exciting for the future for this year it's it's sometimes a little worrisome because uh, we we know that we'll be the first event uh, to grace the new show field mm, yeah and um, you know it's all going to be uh, we, we'll you know the, the good news is you're going to be the first and <laughs> the bad news is you're going to be the first yeah well exactly <laughs> so um, another show I think of that's not on a golf course it is on grass but it's in a beautiful setting similar to Pebble is of course the La Jolla Concord which you've been a part of as well sure. That's that's true, and that's right down there in Scripps Park, and yep. it's uh, a, a fan, that's a fantastic venue as well. We were really spoiled at the Biltmore. The, the grass um, the grass there was like a carpet. Yes. And when we went, it's like a putting green most of the time. And when we went to the to Scottsdale to the groundskeepers there, and said, "All right, when you put in your new um, when you put in your new grass, is it going to look like this?" <laughs> and they just look at it, <laughs> look at each other, and said. Well, we hope. <laughs> yeah, we're not sure about that. Well, I, I'm very excited about the new venue. And, uh, you know, the great thing about the desert and Arizona and Scottsdale in the wintertime, for many of us, like I live in the Northwest and it's rainy and cold and gloomy, is the desert is the place to be. Uh, it's beautiful during the days. It gets crisp at night, but not too cold. And, of course, we all know Scottsdale and the whole area there. Tons of restaurants, the museums, things to see. It's really a spectacular venue and it's a nice way to kick off also the auction week so i always tell people plan on staying for the whole week you can go to the concour and then stay and see the auctions and if you're in the mood to buy a car uh there's going to be plenty of options there i've got guests this month from rm sotheby's they've got some tremendous cars uh there bonhams of course gonna have some tremendous yep. cars there's gonna be a lot of ways to spend money in the desert in january <laughs> you know we like to think of it as um, a week that's centered around all things automobile. Some of the people like to refer to it as auction week, and yet we think there's so much more there than just the auctions. Uh, the Concours is a whole different mindset. It's a whole different ambiance, and they're really complementary events. 
you know, people will come for the concours and stay for the auctions. And uh, and that's a good thing. It's a great thing. Uh, we, we purposely placed ourselves at the beginning of that week because um, January is uh, is car time in, in Arizona. And uh, that's exactly where we belong. You know, I like to ask about mentors, inspirational people, um, is, and, and even cars in your case. Is there something that is what I would call a driving inspiration for you when it comes to the car hobby and the car world and Concours events? That's a, that's a good question. I think my driving force would just be, uh, I think I've always enjoyed the engineering and the beauty of a car. I grew up in a GM town, and... I grew up thinking that everybody in the world drove a, a small to medium or a medium to full size Chevrolet. You know, I didn't know much about foreign cars or about old cars. And uh, and then I moved, I'd say, out west where there's less influence of uh, Detroit. In fact, I went to school in Detroit because I wanted to get into the auto business. I went to university and went to business school in, De- in Detroit planning to get into the auto industry. I thought that would be my career. And instead, I ended up in uh, business and finance and uh, spent a, lo- a good part of my career in uh, finance and accounting and then got into more to operations and, and found my way back into engineering intensive businesses, the steel business, composites, and aircraft. And so those were ways to take my interest in uh, mechanical things and uh, thrive on that, and I could bring I could bring extra intensity to those projects because I had the interest in the engineering. But back to the car side, I think I never lost my interest in cars. And when we bought our first collector car, we joined a car club and started doing things with the club and found more people of similar interests. We started driving uh, different places and uh, going on rallies and so forth and found the enjoyment of uh, doing car-related activities far surpassed things like playing golf because it was things you could do with your family. I found those kinds of things. Um, we just kept building on that, and I kept getting more and more involved. And Scottsdale, as you know, has an incredible car community. All those auctions and car events don't happen here by accident. They happen because there are like-minded people who collect and celebrate these cars and put all those things, um, I guess, just uh, they, they put more of their life into cars. There are some amazing collectors here. Uh, there are some amazing collections here. And that's one of the things that, number one, creates a demand for a Concord because you have that kind of, of capacity for people to uh, embrace it. But even better, it provides you a tremendous backstop of very generous collectors who will allow you to uh, uh, pick through their their collection and put cars in the field to bring out things that 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 help you make an interesting concourse. So it plays to both sides. Oh, it really does. It's great, and you know, you touched on something that is really key is if you want to get involved in the car hobby, if you want to be a part of it, and even if you feel like, well, I don't have enough money to buy a fancy car like all these guys have, it really doesn't matter. Uh, join a car club. Talk to people who have cars like you want. Now, this could be an old Mustang, maybe. It doesn't have to be a GT350 or some kind of Eleanor or something special or an old MG uh, that is affordable. But if you join a club, 
You can talk to people that are like-minded. They can help drive you in the right, like the pun, drive you in the right direction for which kind of cars to buy. Uh, if you're into Mercedes Pagodas like you are, well, there you go. Uh, the car clubs are the way to go. That's how you meet the right people. And you you, you create this whole environment of people around you. I, I like to ask my guests about challenges, Chuck. And this could be a life challenge. It could be a challenge related to the Concours event, or it could be something related to cars. It doesn't really matter, but it's more about a big challenge, maybe even a big failure, but how you came out of it on the plus side learning a very valuable lesson so share one of those bumpy roads with us oh boy you know if i thought about the biggest challenge we have today i'd say it's it's with this ongoing renovation of the civic center Um, it's been very exciting and yet it's been unnerving at the same time Uh, every day we hear of a new change to the design or a new challenge to getting cars on the field We've learned to keep, what we've learned, I think, is to keep formulating the best plan we can, even though we know it's likely to change again before we're done. You come up with plan number 126, and and then the next one is plan 127, and you just, as they change, uh, it's like the whack-a-mole game. Oh, yes, they they uh, keep popping up. As another one pops up, you you, uh, find a way to solve that problem, and you move on to the next one. And I think, in the end, perseverance will help us identify the best solution by the time the show date arrives. And then by next year, I think we'll have we'll have other answers because by next year, the whole uh, show field will be open and we'll have a whole year to study it. And as it is now, we're going to have access to the show field on the day before the concourse. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's the first time we're going we're gonna to be able to take our plan for putting uh, 90 cars on the field and see that it's actually going to work. I'll tell you, the first time they had, there used to be an event up here in the Pacific Northwest where I live called the Kirkland Concours. And it was put together by sure. a bunch of, yeah, really big high-end collectors. I mean, uh, the late Tom Armstrong and Paul Hageman and Peter Hageman. And I mean, all these guys yep. up here that have cars. And the first one they did uh, was at the, uh, down on the waterfront there. It was actually in a parking lot, but it's a very beautiful terrace setting. It was dumping rain. I mean, dumping rain. It kind of does that up here sometimes. It was, it was <laughs> yep. just like all this planning. And they ended up moving it into the parking garage, which wasn't so great. But, you know, they made the best of what they could do so people would still come and walk around. Of course, those of us in the Northwest, we don't we walk around in the rain. It's like you just do that. Otherwise, you'll sit in your house for eight months of the year. So Otherwise, you'll never go out. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So uh, <laughs> you just do what you have to do. But no doubt, this is going to be a great learning year for you guys. And uh, we'll see where things go. But no doubt, it's going to be spectacular because you guys, you have some bulldogginess in you. We've been fortunate in the first four, the first four years, we've never had a rain event. We've uh, dodged it a little bit, but we've had some beautiful days. In January in, in Arizona is a great time to be here. You know, it's not hot. It's um, not raining. It's uh, typically, as you said earlier, cool mornings, uh, beautiful sunny days. And uh, so we're looking forward to a good time. The place to be. So let's talk about special vehicles in your life. Now, I mentioned in your introduction uh, a beautiful little pagoda that you guys have. Uh, I love those cars. They're just they're just little sweet pieces of candy is what I always call them. Yep. Uh, you know, they were a really unique car in the transitionary period of the SLs. Is that a car you want to talk a little bit about, or is there another special car in your, your past? I have a funny story I like to tell. My wife doesn't think it's so funny. but <laughs> That's because um, she's when, heard it too many times. Like <laughs> My wife has heard too many stories. <laughs> when I set out to, uh, in the late 80s, when I um, 
shortly after we moved to Arizona and stumbled across our first auction and thought, wow, this is pretty cool. There's quite a few collector cars here. And I set out to buy my first car and I was looking for my first um, collector car and I was looking for a Pagoda. And uh, and my wife says, well, well, that's silly. That's a two-seat car. How are you going to take the kids to school in that car? <laughs> Let me redefine the collector car concept here. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not really why I'm buying the car. And she says, well, you really need to have a back seat. So there happened to be a Mercedes-Benz SE, uh, an SE Cabriolet of a similar vintage, if you know the uh, what they call the 3.5 cab. Yes. That car was uh, right nearby. And I said, well, how about this? You know, thinking she'd say, oh, you're crazy. <laughs> I said, well, no, that makes so much more sense. You know, it's got a back seat. And I said, okay, well, then I'll switch my vision and I sw- switch my uh, search. And I went out and bought and found myself a, a 66 Mercedes Cabriolet. Mm, nice. Well, it was a beautiful car. And uh, we drove it on rallies and vacations. Had the car for 25 years. We put 30,000 miles on it in 25 years. And we really, we both really came to love that car. It was beautiful. You know, the beauty, the smells of the car, the quirks of the car. I really wish I had kept it and restored it rather than trading up to a newer, better car, the, you know, the Pagoda. So I, I think if I had to share a memory or experience, that would be it. It was what we learned that the 25 years we enjoyed with that car. And that got us into the Mercedes Club. It got us to meet a lot of local collectors and local enthusiasts here. And uh, at the same time, the car for a first car was pretty pretty high up on the food chain. And uh, we were very proud of that car and very happy with that car for a long time. Oh, those things are gorgeous. I mean, that's the era of the hand-built Mercedes vehicles. And I tell you, one of my good friends growing up, uh, and I grew up in La Jolla, wonderful place to get to, to grow up. And later in life, uh, my friend, she got a hold of a 1971 SE 3.5 cab that belonged to Roy Orbison. You may be familiar with that car. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, kind of a yep. beautiful cream car. She still has it today. And uh, the license plate is P-R-T-Y-W-M-N, Pretty Woman. Uh, of course, Roy Orbison is one of his songs. And uh, I think I know that car. <laughs> you, probably, you probably do. And, um, yeah, she's uh, over the years she said, oh, should we sell it right now? And I'm like, don't ever let that thing go. It's just it's so nice. And I grew up having a detailing business when I was a kid from the age of 14. And I had several customers that had those era cars. And I remember going and riding my bike into town and picking them up and driving them back and detailing them. And they were just tanks. I mean, built like so solid, so nice. Do do you miss that car at all? I do. I wish I had. I I sold it after 25 years, um, uh, justifying to myself that my taste had matured (laughs) and I, and I deserved a better car. I deserved a a car in better condition. I mean, Mm -hmm. there wasn't any way to get a better car than that, but I did sell that car and move up, and I, I wished I had kept it and restored it because I could have. It was a good, solid car. It could have gone into restoration and come out to be something that would be a bit of a family heirloom. Because uh, having taken the kids to school in it once or twice was uh, would have kept some good memories there. Wow! Imagine being a kid going to school in the back seat of one of those with the top down. Wouldn't that be special? Yep. It's amazing to think of these cars nowadays, those cars nowadays, as regular everyday cars for some people. You know, they just what they yeah. drove here. It was just the way they did it. So, ah, lovely vehicle. Thanks for sharing that story. Now, I'm going to be a car psychologist today for you. I'm going to crawl into your skull a little bit. If you were reincarnated, pun intended, as a vehicle, what would Chuck be? But more importantly, why? 
Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I, I think I would be a Mercedes SL. Oh, okay. All right. Why is that? Well, it, it's a uh, handsome, sophisticated, powerful, elegant car, and uh, yet it's sporty enough to uh, to dare you to take on the twisties in life <laughs> yeah. and, and enjoy the trip. They're beautiful. I, years ago, I've always been a Porsche 911 guy, and years ago, I went with a friend who was buying a Mercedes, and I was joking with the salesman, and he said, hey, you interested in Mercedes? I said, well, maybe when I'm an old guy, and he kind of, <laughs> you know, he kind of laughed, and I was tongue-in-cheek, obviously, you know, I was a bit younger and had a 911, and he said, okay, Mark, I'm going to take you out in a, it was an SL55, and yep. uh, I'm going to have you drive this thing and just give me your your impression. And I'll tell you something, Chuck, I came back from that test drive. I literally did not want to get out of that car. I I just sat there and said, I don't want to leave. This thing fits me. It drives like a beast. Um, It's insane. I mean, yeah. So I I think one of those might be in my future someday. You know, they're just delightful and they always have been, you know, even back to the four fifties. Just really oh, yeah. nice car. Well, back to the 280. The 280. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Back to the 280. I'm yeah. sorry. I shouldn't have left that one out for sure. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I, I go to both extremes. I've got a 280 and I've got a 600. Oh, well, so, there you uh, go. You're... They're very different, very different cars with very different personalities. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, is there a, a great book that you'd like to share with our listeners? We love books here. I still think that one of the, this is, this is a long time ago, but I still think that one of the best, uh, one of my favorite books after many years was a book called Big Russ and Me. Uh, if you remember NBC's Tim Russert, mm-hmm. and uh, Tim was a classmate, a high school classmate of mine, and he wrote a book about his relationship with his dad. And I think that book always gave me some great examples of how you could really influence the life of a child. Mm. Take it particularly when it's your own son or daughter. And uh, I, I enjoyed that book and uh, just not only pleasant reading, but inspirational. So Tim Russert, the Tim Russert was a classmate of yours. Yes, he was. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. In fact, all the, if you if you read the if you read the book, he tells a lot of stories about uh, about his high school years. Oh, really? Uh, wow. There's a lot of a lot, there's two or three chapters devoted to uh, our high school years and our escapades in high school. Some of which uh, have to do with cars. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's that's fascinating. Yeah, you know, I I didn't even know that that book existed. I'll have to get my hands on that book. Yep. Sounds wonderful. Awesome. Very cool. So you've taken us on a a nice journey today, and I'm going to enable you to go on an interesting journey. I'm going to provide you with any vehicle in the world. Park it in your garage. You can drive it anywhere you want, and you can take anybody with you, even somebody from the past who's no longer with us, and you can go anywhere, which opens up the entire world, of course. So what does the ultimate drive look like for you? Oh, boy. Um, I would would take one of the uh, one of the cars I have now, probably. I have a, uh, uh, I don't have a 911, but I've got a Boxster Spider, and that's a, and that's a fabulous little road car, and right. I would like to take that. Uh, uh, I love driving all over Europe, particularly in Italy, and I think if I had a chance to go on a drive, I think I, I, I think I would, uh, I never spent a lot of time with my dad uh, as as an adult, when I was an adult, and I guess I'd like to get my dad back and go out for a ride and see what he would think of of this new technology that we call cars now, and how different they are than his '57 Buick Roadmaster. <laughs> yeah, and, it's a little different. And what he thought of that, and and I'd love to be driving around Europe somewhere. 
Nice. Uh, drive through Italy and, and share culture, share share culture and uh, and food. I'm not a Ferrari guy, but I would uh, I would take a Mercedes or a Porsche and uh, go around. Uh, you know, probably go around Europe somewhere. That sounds like fun. What a nice trip that would be. Now you have a, now is your Spider Boxer is that a seven eighteen? It is a uh, no, it's an eighty one. Oh, okay, cool. It's a a two thousand sixteen. Sixteen. Sixteen model. I think I've got almost six thousand miles on it by now. Well, good for you. Well, you live in the right place for one of those cars. It, I couldn't <laughs> use it much here. I, I love those uh, those cars. In fact, I'm seriously giving some consideration to my next Porsche being a Cayman, a seven eighteen GTS. Yeah. Just because it's you know I've driven those and it's just I, the the nine elevens I love, but they've gotten kind of big and uh, yep. I like the size of that car. It kind of reminds me of the five fifty Porsches, which are one of my favorite old classic Porsches. So uh, yeah, I don't know, but everyone I've talked to that's had a box. Or it came in. Well, the mid-engine layout does amazing things for the handling, and uh, it's got plenty of power, and yet it's um, a really enjoyable car to drive. And of course, always open, um, always open. You never, you know, we have. Uh, it's funny. We most of the cars we have are convertibles, and they're always driven with the top down as much as possible, except in the summer when it's just too hot. A little bit so. too hot. Yeah, exactly. I know. So. I remember being in Arizona in the summer and. I was with somebody, and he goes, "Why well, we've got to drive with the top down. I said, it's boiling hot. So he blasted the air conditioning uh, to blow in our faces so we could drive a little ways. But we eventually, yeah, it was a little too hot that day. We eventually put the top up. It was like, this is too much. Uh, well, he, he did seats that made it possible now uh, to drive in the winter with oh, the, yeah, the top yeah. down, too. So yeah, you turn that. on the heater and they have the heated seats going, and uh, we have a ball with that. Why not? It's a way to go. You've taken us on a wonderful drive today, and I've really enjoyed this. I can't wait for the, uh, the Arizona Concord this year it's going to be fantastic before i let you go could you share some words of inspiration or wisdom with us oh wow one of the uh thoughts that i i try and take in in decision making as as a ceo and of course in in running the concord as well uh we're all faced with decisions every day and uh, we have to make decisions that we need to live with and one of my uh, favorite um one of my favorite thoughts or or i guess um uh, precepts in life is always take the high road. You feel better about your decisions, and it's always easier to defend when things go wrong. <laughs> yes, and and some things do, and you know things always go wrong. Life is, uh, you know, life is always changing, and things are always changing, and it's it's always easier to to defend your decisions when you've made the magnanimous decision. Great words of wisdom. Nice way to start off this new year. Uh, It's going to be a great new year, and I encourage all of you to start it off in Arizona at the Arizona Concord. This is going to be pretty cool pretty special event. And again, if you missed my talk with uh, Chuck's partner there, uh, Ed Winkler, uh, we talked at length about some of the cars as well that'll be at the show. So go back and give that a listen. It was just a few weeks ago. Uh, Chuck, oh, by the way, what's the best way for people to learn more about the Concord? Oh, that's that's easy. Go to uh, www.arizonaconcord.com. It's very simple. Uh, Check out the there's a, a ticket button there that they can go buy tickets. It takes you right to the Scottsdale Arts website and their ticket system. Uh, check out our YouTube channel for um, videos of prior shows. Nice. And uh, I think you'll find it a bit different from other concours. I think uh, you'll, you'll uh, find some good incentive to want to go. 
Well, I guarantee you, and having, I think I've been to four of yours going back to 2016, and um, this, I'm excited to see this new venue this year. Of course, the Biltmore was was great and fun, but, uh, you know, not much fun to uh, have a concourse and a swimming pool, so that won't work too well. <laughs> that won't work at all, so cool. Well, Chuck, thank you for spending some time with me today and sharing this. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the new year. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you at the Arizona Concours. Thank you, Mark. I look forward to meeting you. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. Thank If you're listening to this program, there's a pretty good chance you believe what I believe, that the collector vehicles we love are more than just a means of getting from one place to the other. They're a part of our culture, our identity, and as a people, they bring us together at vintage races, classic car auctions, and thousand-mile rallies. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these important vehicles aren't lost to time. RPM stands for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, and their goal is to inspire the next generation of vehicle restoration professionals through its outreach programs, and they include Shop Hop, Off to the Races, the RPM Future Class, and many others. These programs engage talented young people across the country and connect them with mentors and a variety of opportunities in the industry. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of collector vehicles skill trade, visit rpm.foundation today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to carsyeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!